Romans chapter 8, verse 28. There it is up there. How we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Let's pray. Lord, I ask today that you would fill me afresh again with your spirit to be able to be led by you during this preaching, Lord, like that sail in the wind. I pray for the hearts of your people, Lord, to receive this word. Sometimes it can be difficult to receive, Lord. We struggle with things, and I pray that uh, your word would um, take precedent over our feelings, over our intellect, Lord, that your word would be preeminent, Lord, in our lives and what we would base our, our life on, our decisions on, our theology on, Lord. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Born in 1959, town of about 230 people on the eastern side of the state of Wisconsin. Oldest of seven children, father an alcoholic. Grew up uh, like a wild animal without any discipline. Became an alcoholic at an early age. Had a neighbor, neighbor whose last name was Charlier. Worked at a pop shop, a uh, big factory, Procter & Gamble. Was a disc jockey before there were disc jockeys, only live bands. Was a foosball player competitively. Um, met a girl named Lisa Haller. Got married in 1985. Had five children, lost one child in in the womb, uh, had uh, all kinds of crazy things happen, have a daughter whose dog has a torn ACL and maybe tore the other one yesterday, yeah. the good, the bad, and the ugly, right, emotionally, physically, five, four ac car accidents, Three broken bones, ankle, leg, finger. Tore my Achilles. Take your entire life, where you were born, when you were born. Take it all, everything, and put an equal sign behind it. And then write, after the equal sign, Romans 8, 28. Before you were a Christian, when you came to know Christ, after, if you're lost today, it still applies to you. Your entire life, beginning to end, equals. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for, for good for those who are called according to his purpose. That's for believers. If you don't know Christ yet, God's still working things, pointing you, leading you towards him. And one of the things we need to understand is this, is that there's comfort in knowing that God is sovereign. So there are no random or purposeless events in our life. Not who our next door neighbors were, not where we worked, where we were born, when we were born, to whom we were born. It's not by chance. God is sovereign over it all. 
we find that uh, as we're going through Romans chapter 8, Paul is talking about weakness here in verses 26 and 27. And uh, he's talking about trials and suffering. And he's going through how God is using these things, hard things, difficult things. And sometimes, as we're going to see today, sometimes these things are so heavy, so hard, the trials are so intense that we don't even know what to pray. Uh, we cannot verbalize the, the hurt, the confusion that's inside. We don't know what to pray. We don't know what to ask God for. And we see the love of our God, the compassion of our God, is that when we're in those places, and everybody's in those places, usually numerous times in your life, just difficult places, God does not condemn us for being there, for being weak. He does not condemn us for that. And he usually doesn't remove that weakness in us, that struggle, that, that pain. But he graciously gives us his spirit who dwells within us, who helps us is what the word of God says, helps us by interceding for us during those times when we don't have words to describe what was going on inside. Take a look at God's word. Romans 8, 26 through 27, then we're going to jump down to 34. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray, what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And then you jump down to verse 34, and we're going to get to that in a couple of weeks. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. And then we go 1 John 5, 14 through 15. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we will have the request that we have asked of him. This word helps in Romans chapter 8, verse 26 means this. It, it, the, the meaning is that there is someone carrying a heavy load and another comes alongside and takes the other end and helps them bear that burden. Isn't that a beautiful picture of what the Holy Spirit does in our lives? That's what the word helps means. It's a, it's a word that's a continual help, meaning uh, he's always doing that. But it also implies that the Holy Spirit isn't the only one doing it, that we're bearing that burden as well. That's the picture that we have here. It's this working together as God is working in our lives. He is strengthening us. He is helping us in our time of weakness. It says here that the Spirit is interceding for us, and we are constantly weak. You know, what, what does it talk about being humble? You know, we, God resists the proud, right? But gives grace to the humble. We are weak, and usually when we realize we're weak is when we pray, and when we think we're strong is when we don't pray. I can handle it, God. But we're constantly weak. We're, that's the reality of it. Our human pride doesn't like to say that or receive that. But the truth of the matter is we are constantly weak. We're constantly 
struggling. Because we are constantly weak, we need and we have continual, unending, relentless intercession. Think about that. Continuing, unending, relentless intercession of both the Holy Spirit and Jesus. Think about that. There's intercession on both ends. There's intercession on this end as the Spirit dwells within us and intercedes for us. And there's intercession on the other end. Jesus, seated on the right hand of the Father. And they're constantly interceding for you. Think about that. It's too easy to, to package this up and say, well, you know, not me. I mean, God's got a lot of stuff to do, right? There's a lot of things I'm sure Jesus is interceding for, you know. Maybe I come up every, yeah, I don't know, 10 years or so as he's going through his list like I go through mine. That's not how it works. The Holy Spirit is constantly interceding. Jesus is constantly interceding for you. How that works, I don't know. He's God. We aren't. But that's the truth because that's the word of God. And so there's this constant intercession for you and I, both by the Spirit of God and Christ. And we know this is true because what? God never slumbers or sleeps. So when you're sleeping, he's interceding. That's our God. We've got to understand these truths, get our heads around them, because otherwise we get caught up in the busyness of life and we can get disconnected from the love of God. And we can, we can feel like we're impersonal uh, with regards to God, but really it's, it's this intimate, beautiful relationship constantly on God's part as he is ministering to us. And we see that the Holy Spirit's heart aches for the same thing that creation groans for and we groan for. Because this is the third time in this short section of Scripture that the word groan is used. And in the first two times, it's used for the groaning of the, the sons of God that they would be... Uh, they would come into their glory. In other words, Christ returns and, and the, the new heaven and the new earth are there and all this. That we're groaning for that. We were talking about that last week. And the Holy Spirit as well groans for the time when all the believers will be in that place. His heart aches for that. And he prays that the Father would bring decisions in our lives, circumstances in our lives that would most glorify Jesus and that they would be in harmony with God's will. He prays that constantly for you and I. And what the Holy Spirit does is he interprets our spirit-inspired groanings. Because in our flesh, even as believers, we want us, right? We want our stuff. We're self-centered. We're prideful. Don't want to admit we have a need. Don't want to admit we're weak. Nobody's going to tell me that. And so what the Holy Spirit does is he opens up our eyes to our needs. He puts burdens on our heart that, you know, God, I want to glorify you in this situation no matter what happens. That comes from the Spirit of God. Our flesh fights that. That human nature resists that. I want it my way. I want it done exactly the way I want it because this is the best for me and I know, right? Because I'm so 
wise. And so what happens is is that the Spirit interprets our Spirit-inspired groanings. And then he does this wonderful thing. I don't know about you, but many times I don't think I pray according to God's will. I think I do. But see, my, my prayer is even tainted with my own selfishness, my own, I want my comfort more than anything else. I want my stuff. I want life to go easy. don't want to be in hard situations. So I kind of pray along those directions. That may not be God's will. But what the Holy Spirit does is he does this wonderful, great thing. He takes our prayers and as screwed up as they can be, I'm so, you know, I look back now and I'm so thankful God didn't answer a lot of my prayers the way I prayed them. Amen? So what the Holy Spirit does is he takes that prayer and he interprets it so that it would be presented to the Father in such a way that it would be always perfectly aligned with God's will. Isn't that incredible? That the Spirit of God, it says it right there, he intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and he who searches hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. He's always praying 100% in the will of God for you and I. And he knows because the Spirit is one with the Father, our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So he knows. And he prays, takes our screwed up, messed up prayer, and he presents it to the Father in a way that it's always according to the Father's will. And that's why I put the second verse up here, because we need, we need to just think this through. Okay, if this is true, then look at 1 John 5, 14 through 15. And this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. We won't ask according to his will, but the Spirit of God will interpret that and present it as the, perfectly according to the will of God. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have requests that we have asked of him. In other words, the Father always responds to the Holy Spirit 100% of the time. We don't see that on our end because we're focused like this. But the Spirit of God takes these prayer requests of ours, interprets them to the Father, always according to the will of God, and God responds, always answers, according to what His will is. That's what this, that's what this word says. You see, we're so worried sometimes to pray because we don't want to screw up our prayer right? We don't want to ask for the wrong thing. I'm here to tell you, pray. Get crazy. Pray a lot more. The idea that you can pray wrong is crazy. God is in this thing. He is on both ends. And he is taking your prayer requests and he is forming them according to the will of God. You cannot screw it up. So drop to your knees and pray, pray, pray. No matter what the situation you're in, pray. Because God will take that and he will form that prayer according to his will and he will respond in a way that is incredible. We may not agree with it. We may think that God didn't answer my prayer and technically he didn't answer your prayer but he did respond because the Spirit presented it. Lord, you know what's best. How many times do we pray that? Lord, you know what's best in this situation. I think this is. What did Jesus tell, teach us to pray? 
Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Do we pray that a lot? I don't. I pray my will be done. And by God's grace, the Spirit is there, and he's saying, I'm going to crack this, Dan. Bring this correctly. And I would hope that as we see that the Spirit of God dwells within us, all believers, and he is interceding for us constantly. When we have no words, he presents those words to the Father, the groanings, the hurt, the pain. He presents those to the Father. So there's times when we don't know what to pray. That's the point. We, we don't know. We're, we're hurting. The trials are difficult. Or life is just so overwhelming that we just, just can't seem to pray. Don't know how to pray. You know, the situation the world is in right now, how do, how do you pray for that? How do you pray for the United States and uh, all the things that are happening around the world and our leaders and our next-door neighbors and people who agree with us and people who disagree with us? How do you pray Spirit of God, though we don't know how to pray, he does. But here's a great thing is that we may not know how to pray, but we can be comforted in knowing, knowing. We don't know what to pray, but we can be comfort, comforted in knowing that God causes all things to work together. God causes all things to work together. That's what we can put our bets on, is on God and his greatness and his sovereignty. Take a look at God's word. Okay, now this is going to be tough, but we've got to look, read through it, because so many times we take these issues and we, we, we cause our emotions to rule us. Okay, take a look at what God's word says. And we know, so we didn't know what to pray for, but we know that for those who love God, believers, Christians... Okay, so this is not a promise for everyone, but for all believers. For we know that those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Here's one for the people in Las Vegas. Proverbs 16, 33. The lot is cast. The dice are rolled into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. How do you square that? Every roll of the dice in Vegas, every dealing of the cards, everything, it's saying God directs that. God's got a purpose in it. That's, I just, that's what the Word of God says. This was one of those verses from my son John that he couldn't get around. He said, yeah, you know, I've got to embrace the fact that God is sovereign over all things. Job 42.2, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Can't be done. God's purpose for your life will not be thwarted by anyone, even you. That's what it says. Genesis 50, 20, Joseph speaking to his brothers who sold him into slavery. And his response is, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. You sold me into slavery. You did all these things to hurt me. That was your intent. That was not God's plan. God had something so much bigger. A lot of pain there. 
that Joseph is talking about, about hard times. Ephesians 1.11, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Same author as Romans. Works all things according to the counsel of his will, not man's will, not my desires. And then in Acts 4, 27 through 28, incredible verse. For truly in this city there were gathered against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever, what did they do? Wait, stop, what did they do? They crucified Christ to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. God is sovereign. All things work together. All things work together. And it doesn't say that, and we hope that for those who love God, it doesn't say that we feel we kind of think that all things? No, we know. We know that all things, all things, nothing can thwart God's purpose and plan for your life. Nothing can do that. It can't. Nothing can thwart God's plan for your life. All things. The good, the bad, the ugly, God is sovereign over. All things. He's God. See, we, we respond kind of like this. Maybe it's, this is what's going on in your heart. We get a little angry at the mere suggestion that God is directing and using painful things hard things, unjust things. <coughs> kind of goes against our flesh, right? Well, God is a God of love. Certainly he wouldn't put me through a difficult trial like this. Certainly hard things in my life aren't, aren't directed by God. And we're not talking about sin, okay? We're not talking about that because God never causes any man to sin. But he uses sin as we see in Acts 4. The sin of Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles, the Jews, all of them. And so what we see here is that the mere suggestion of God being sovereign over all things really causes our brains to, to kind of shut down and go into neutral. Say, can't be. Well, either all things is all things or it's not. There's no secret word there. It doesn't mean all, mostly, kind of, sort of, and only the good things. It's not what it's talking about. It's saying all things work for the good. All things work for the good. And God is sovereign over all things, but that does not invalidate our choices. And choices that we make do not remove His sovereignty. God accomplishes his sovereignty through causing us to make willing choices. That's worded very carefully there. Okay? He causes us to willingly make choices. God is moving. When we pray, what are we asking God to do? 
We're asking him to influence someone, aren't we? Change them, help them make right decisions, do this, do that. We're asking God to intervene. So we, he's doing that in our lives as well. God is, there's this beauty between God's sovereignty and our choices that they work together. It's not this one or this one, but it's both and. That's a picture that we have here. We'll go into this more depth next week. But God accomplishes his will. You know, Romans 8.28 only works if God is able to accomplish his purposes in spite of sinful people. Do you realize that? It can't happen if God isn't sovereign over all things. Because then God is reacting. God is reacting. Oh, man, I didn't expect them to do that. i got to shift this around. i got to go back to plan C or B or D. See, that's what open theism does. Open theism kind of wants to give God an out when it comes to suffering. So open theism is that God doesn't know everything. He doesn't know tomorrow what you're going to choose to do or whatever. God doesn't know everything. He just knows the big stuff, and he kind of reacts to that. And so God can't be blamed for hard things that happen in our lives, difficult things, things that happen because of other people's sin in our lives. God can't be directing those types of things for our good. So the only answer is then we have to remove God's sovereignty out of the picture and leave this 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 area where, well, maybe he doesn't deal with all of this stuff. But you see, what happens then is you remove the comfort of Romans 8, 28. The comfort that is there. What is the comfort that's here in Romans 8, 28? It doesn't sound like a whole lot of comfort to me. The comfort is this, that we can know that whatever comes in our life, it is not without purpose. And it is not randomly. It didn't slip past God. That God's got a purpose in it. We might not see it, and we might not understand it, but God's got a purpose in it. So no matter what you're going through right now, no matter how hard the trial is, you can rest in the fact that God is causing all things to work for your good. And it's not random. It's not something that just happened and there's no reason behind it. God's working something. And there's comfort in that verse. And to not... Believe that, that verse as it is stated is robbing yourself of comfort knowing that God is in charge of my life. Every little detail. I can't screw it up. God is moving. And in the difficult times before you knew Christ, I had a neighbor named Charliers. Make means nothing, right? Only problem is in the little town I grew up, they were the only ones that were Christians that I knew of. And they, we moved right next door to him. And I found out years later that they prayed for our, my family every night. Just a move. Right? Do you realize that the, the time that you were born in, the parents you were born to, God was sovereign over? You could have been born 500 years before you were in a Muslim country and never heard the gospel. But you weren't. You were born to the parents you have, as screwed up as they were, as good as they were. You were born to them. And God's using all those things that, that were painful, like my dad being an alcoholic. And he's using all those things in our lives, and he's using them for, his, for our good. 
And he's using them to, to paint this picture of his grace and his glory and his mercy and the little things and the big things. And so we can rest in the fact that all things work for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. Do you believe that? Because that's why I prayed the way I prayed before I started the sermon. God, help us to receive your word as the foundation of our theology, not our feelings, not our intellect that we know better. But this is either true or it's not. And if it is and we embrace this truth, what happens is it will affect the way we live. It, it, it impacts us. It impacts us. Now, I will say this. I have seen this happen so many times. I have I, been guilty of this. As we find somebody that is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and they're going through a hard, hard, hard time. And in our desire to help them, we quote this verse. And we cause so much pain. You know what? When somebody's life is just falling apart and there's pain, we need to mourn with those who mourn and laugh with those who laugh. And when it comes to somebody hurting badly and we just say, well, hey, you know what? All things work for the good, right? Really? Is that, would that have ministered to my sister when her daughter was murdered? No. But God will bring people to that place and maybe as the healing process is happening, then they can receive that. So we need to be careful when we bring this to others. But you see, for us personally, we need to embrace this because when you go through a hard time, when you're going through a difficult time, you fall back on what you already know. It's hard to learn a new lesson when you're in the middle of the fire, right? When you get to the other side, you'll maybe learn it. But if we can embrace this truth now, when the fires come, and they will for every one of us, then we already stand on this truth. And we say, Lord, I am hurting so bad. Words cannot express it. Spirit, you're going to have to pray because I can't. But I know that all things work for the good. And I may never know this on this side of eternity, but I believe it. And I trust you, God, in the storm, in the times where life doesn't make sense, I trust you because all things will work for the good. That's the beauty and the comfort in this verse. You see, Christians' lives are not ruled by chance or by fate, but by a sovereign, loving God. And that God works all things for the good. What is the good mentioned here? What's the good? For our salvation, for our sanctification, and for our glorification. And it's only for his people. That's the good that he's working. Take a look at God's word again. Romans 8.28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. 1 John 4, 19, we love because he loved, he first loved us. 
So we take this, these verses and we pull them apart and we take a look and we say, what does this mean? You see, those who love God and those who are called, that's the same group of people. That's not two different people. Those, it's the same people. They love God and they're called according to his purposes. And the word called here means more than invited like an altar call. Okay? It's more than that. That's not what that word means. We'll find out a little bit more next week. Called is more than an invitation to receive, but a summons to and given salvation. It's God doing the work. That's what we have here. And then we see love God, those who love God and are called. And we see that this love God is an effect. It stems from the fact that God has called us. That's the picture that we have here. That's why we can't love God until he first loves us. We're not going to do it in our flesh. Why? Because we, don't, we, we read that in Romans chapter 1. Our flesh resists God. There's, we would not pursue God unless God drew us to himself. And God loved us first. That's why we can love him. That's a picture that we have here. And I love this because it doesn't mean this, that all things will work for the good as long as you love God. And if there's times when you don't, then all things will not work good. All things will not work out good. See, it's, it's not performance-based. That's what this verse says. It's not about you. It's about God's love for you, God's calling for you. That's what it's about. And it's saying, you know what? This isn't conditional on how you respond to God. God is working all things, all things for the good, for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. And even when your heart is cold towards God and you're making stupid decisions, God is still working for your good. And that good, as I said, is this beautiful picture of what God is calling us to, salvation, making us more like Jesus. That's the picture that we have. It's not performance-based. It's grace-based from beginning to end. And you also notice that it says, for we know that those who love God, all things work together for the good. You know what it doesn't say? It doesn't say, and all things will seem good. It doesn't say that all things are good. It doesn't say all things feel good. It doesn't say any of those words. Or call all things good, pretend that all things are good. It doesn't say any of that says that all things work for the good. Sin is never good. God uses it. God uses it. He brought me in my life. I, I sinned. I was in rebellion against him. And he said, I'll let you reap what you've sown, Dan. Then what? You get so far down there, the only place you can look up and you see the bottom of the barrel because you're below that. Right? Life is terrible. God uses that to turn our hearts towards him. 
Sin is never good. Tragedy is always painful. It doesn't feel good. I mean, if you get to the place where you don't know how to express the hurt inside, that doesn't feel good. That's not feeling good. That's not taking some optimistic view, just saying, well, you know, what will be will be, and it will all turn out better in the end. That's not what we're talking about here. You see, these things will work for the good. They're going to be hard. They're not going to be easy. Not going to feel good at times. Very hard to look at this, but we see here again, all things work for the good. The word good here is talking about our salvation. Our sanctification is God is making us more like Jesus. You know, hard times bring you where? To a place where you really examine yourself and life. What am I living for? Why am I so caught up with the fact that I wrecked my GTO? Why is this controlling me? Why am I so consumed by this and my heart has brought low God? Well, because it was an idol of yours, Dan. I love you enough to say I got to remove that idol. Because you know why, Dan? I want you to be more like Jesus. You're getting too caught up in the things around here in this world, Dan. So I'm going to love you enough to take you through a hard, difficult thing because I'm making you more like Jesus. Why did I have the neighbor that was next to me when I was lost? They were praying for my salvation. Why was God working all the things that he was doing? Why did he put me in the family that I was in? He was working something. I can relate to people who struggle with alcoholism or drug abuse. Why did I struggle with pornography so much? It was my sin, but God's, God has used it so that I can help others say, hey, you know what, I understand. But let me tell you the hope that is in Christ. The good here is about salvation and sanctification and eternal glory because that's what the groanings were about, right? That the sons of God would be in their full glory. Go all the way back. Verse 15. Creation longs for it. We long for it. The Spirit is groaning. God is building all this towards His glory and our good. That's the picture that we have here. It's hard to receive that sometimes because we're going through difficult times. God will cause all things in the Christian's life for our eternal glory and for our good and His predestined purposes. God's doing something in you. He's painting a picture of your life. And as I said, we must believe these truths before the storms hit. Storms are coming. Difficult times are coming. You look at the news, you read it, and you go, what in the heck is going on? Right? And it's so easy to lose hope. It's so easy to be discouraged. Isn't it? The world's going to hell in a handbasket. Well, you know what? Let me tell you something. God knew all about this stuff. God's doing something. And he caused you to be born at this time for his purposes. This isn't a random thing that you're living during these times. God's got a purpose in it. God is doing something. And so we can rest in that. Instead of becoming discouraged, say, I don't get it, God. I can say, you know what, God? I don't understand this, but I know this. I know this truth that all things work for the good. 
for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. And I know that all these things that are happening, somehow, God, you're doing something, and I don't understand it. It doesn't seem good to me. It's painful. It's hurtful. But I know you're working something, and I'm going to put my hope and my trust in you. And that's how you can function in life when your world is falling apart personally and the world is falling apart generally. You're able to say, you know what, God, I trust you. You're sovereign. Man isn't. Nothing can thwart your plans, God. You know why I know that, God? Because it says in your word that all things. And so I'm not going to be consumed and let, let it cause, uh, cause me to drop into a deep depression. And even if I do, God's working something in me. Dan, you're depending, you're looking, you're putting your hope in what you see, Dan. Put your eyes on what is unseen and the kingdom of God. You see, God is doing something, and we get to be a part of it, and he's got a plan for our lives. The neighbors you have, that's not random. That's not random. You're there. He planted you there, and he's got a purpose for that for you there, that you would be a witness to those people right next door to you. That's the picture that we have, that God is causing these things for good all who love him and are called according to his purposes. There's comfort in knowing God is sovereign so that there's no random or purposeless events in our lives. And there's a peace in that. And we must believe that before the storm comes. And then when we embrace that, what it does is it, it, goes, it brings us back to verses 26 and 27. That truth enables us to pray knowing that the Holy Spirit will conform our groanings, our struggles with prayer, to God's will, and the Father will answer according to his sovereign eternal plan. So we can press on in prayer. We can say, you know what? I believe this truth, God, and I'm not sure how to pray for this whole mess, but I know that you have a plan, and I'm going to pray, and I know your spirit is going to intercede. He's going to take those prayers to you, and they're going to be exactly according to your will. So I'm going to pray when I don't know how to pray. I'm going to pray when I don't feel like praying. I'm going to pray when I'm hurting so bad I don't even know what to pray because I trust you, God, and I know that all things work for the good for those who believe. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, this is so hard, I know, for some people to really receive because of the pain in their lives, the difficult things, the hard things that are happening. But God, your word is true. Your word is true that all things, God, all things work for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. So Lord, would you help us to cast our cares upon you, Lord? Would you help us to understand that you have not only a purpose in our lives, but through our lives. You've put us in this time, in this place, for your purposes, with our neighbors, with our friends, with our church family, with our fleshly family, Lord. You have, create, you have done a work, and you're continuing to do a work. So help us, Lord. Help us, God, to desire to glorify you above all things, God, and live in a way that truly points to you and that our hope is in you and not in the things of this world. And all God's people said, amen. Let's stand and worship.